Tansley Stearns. Tansley Stearns is your greatest challenger and biggest cheerleader. Inspirational human being who loves people. Future forward leadership. Tansley Stearns is a badass. Tansley Stearns is my mom, my hero, and I love her very much. I am Tansley Stearns, and this is Despite Impossible. I am a longtime credit union executive leading Community Financial as president and CEO. I have always admired and been inspired by people whose passion is boundless and who don't comprehend the word impossible. This show focuses on their stories. Today's guest is Lori Kitchen-Bouchelle, Executive Director at First Step in Michigan. She is on a mission to eliminate domestic violence starting in our great state. In her quest, Lori has faced many challenges. Let's learn more about Lori's journey. Who is Lori Kitchen Bouchelle? Um, I am a Taurus sun and a Scorpio rising. And I'm, nice. I'm kidding. I love that. Um, but I am those. <laughs> um, I am a mom of four. Mm. I am a retired foster mom. And I um, am a passionate foster auntie. I have many, many kids in my orbit that I care for. I am the executive director of First Step, and we're the domestic violence sexual assault agency serving Wayne County. Um, I am a Girl Scout troop leader. Mm. I am a basset hound lover, a wine drinker, and a very new amateur horse rider. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. So I have follow-up questions. So what's your favorite wine? Um, any, I like dry whites. Okay. Dry whites. Yep. Very cool. Nice. And what started the horse riding? I was coming out of my COVID cave. (laughs) I had a very intense COVID experience, Mm -hmm. um, having four young kids and working at the agency. And I was looking for something for me Mm -hmm. and I always wanted to do it. I never had the ability to before. And I said, why not? And I found a wonderful person who teaches not too far from my home. And I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. So finish this sentence for me. The world will be a better place when? Everyone is safe. What inspires you? My children. Mm. Um, Two of my children did come to us through foster care, and they are tremendous, and they inspire me every day. Um, My staff, they are incredible. They um, give their emotional labor every day, and they are resilient and amazing. Our survivors that we serve, they inspire me constantly. And um, other leaders and other female leaders, including you, Tansley, I think you're a very proactive leader, and that inspires me. Thank you, friend. When you are at your happiest, most joyful times you listen to? Whatever songs my kids are singing. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And right now it's Taylor Swift's We Are Never Getting Back Together, which, you know, I would think they had real heartbreak, the passion they have for that song. Um, And they're also singing songs from the zombie movies from Disney. Those are a big hit right now. Yes. We went through that phase too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. that's what what we listen to and sing and all that. Nice. So if you were to listen to an album from beginning to end, which one would it be? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, Probably anything by Lizzo, anything Mm -hmm. by Beyonce. Um, And then old school, Lori would listen to anything by Everclear. Oh, I love it. Yes. Nice. Tell us about what made you laugh out loud recently. Um, What made me laugh out loud recently? 
always my kids. And I feel like that's that goes back and forth a lot. Um, but my youngest, who's four, is really starting to step into her personality. And so she is also starting to have some witty responses to her older siblings. And so every now and then she's just catching me off guard with something that is cracking me up. So that's amazing. When was the last time you danced so hard your feet were sore? I really appreciated that question because it made me think. Um, And honestly, it was probably last New Year's Eve. And so I made a mental note. We used to have dance parties all the time in the house and we haven't in a while. And so I made a mental note to make sure we do that soon. That's so great. We do the same. Yeah. When you feel down, you heal by? Resting, Mm -hmm. um, horseback riding, Mm -hmm. um, and spending focused time with my family, you know, away from all, all the stuff. Yeah. Who's someone you look up to? I look up to my husband. Um, he is he he demonstrates what it means to operate without an ego mm-hmm. every day, and so that inspires me. and And he, I really am amazed with him um, and who he is as a person and as a father and as a husband. He's an excellent partner. Um, I also look up to other, like I said before, other leaders, especially female leaders, um, Jacqueline Baker, Mm -hmm. who has written books about leadership. And um, she is, I've met her years ago. We worked together years ago and she's just done amazing things with her career. And my mentor growing up was Irma Henderson. And Mm -hmm. she was the first woman and the first um, person of color to be president of Detroit City Council. And I came to know her later on in her life when she was in her 80s. But um, she is kind of my driving force every day that I want to return to the community what she gave to me. It's amazing. Do you have a mantra you live by? I have a few. Okay. Um, So first is asking the question, is this ego or is it service? Mm. And so I try to do that a lot in decision making and also reactions to things. Question, is this ego or is it service? Yeah. Irma Henderson, my mentor, gave me a uh, affirmation to live by, which was, I am in ever-increasing contact with my highest self. And so I try to come back to that and remember that. Um, another wonderful mentor of mine once said, um, the more that you are, the less that you need. Mm-hmm. And I think about that often, too. And then also what I say to my kids every day before they leave the house, which is make good choices, be good, and do good. A mantra is a statement repeated frequently that provides counsel and direction. Reminders like the ones Lori has wisely used during her journey keep us centered on what matters most. Lori is a master at combining lessons from her mentors, the expectations she holds herself accountable for, and the advice she provides to her loved ones. Do you have a mantra you live by? Tell us about your impossible. (laughs) Oh, wow. So my impossible is um, at First Step, the Domestic Violence Sexual Assault Agency, um, we have known for a while that there is not enough beds in the county for everybody who needs them. And COVID made that really apparent, too, because we had to actually lower our capacity Mm. while the need increased. And so for years and years and years, we know that the state doesn't have enough beds and the county doesn't have enough beds and there are just not enough safe spaces for people fleeing violence. Mm -hmm. And so we are embarking on opening a second shelter location 
within the next year and a half, two years, um, to provide more beds and safe spaces for families fleeing violence. So I think you got to this, but what ground your gears enough to say enough is enough and move to action? I think, I think it was twofold in one, um, you know, we run a 24-hour crisis line, and I know how hard it is to have a safe moment to make that phone call when you're trying to flee, um, and to know that so many times people are calling, and we have to tell them, we're sorry, we don't have space, but here's what we can do. And we do safety plan, and we do work on it, but it's so hard to make that call, and then to not have it when you need it is not okay. And so that pushed me that keeps me up at night um and then also there's been just a lot of you know like we know we need this we know we need this but really you know when covid hit and we had to lower capacity it was just this is this is just getting out of hand yeah. like we can't keep saying we know we th- need this and not doing something about it and it's our job to do something about it and so we we're able to find a place that has 20 rooms that are empty. And so we're doing everything we can to make them a home and a safe place. That's awesome. Was there a point during your journey with this that you felt like giving up? Every day. <laughs> Every day I have those moments of this is crazy. There's so much that needs to happen. Yeah. There's so much capital that needs to be raised. There's so many things that could go wrong. Um, but at the end of the day, again, I ask, is it ego or is it service and move forward with service? Yeah. Would you share a story about something that went bananas during this process that now you can look back and laugh on? Um, I wouldn't, I, can I share one that's a little off of the process? Yeah, absolutely. Something that went bananas that I think really changed things for me. And so I know that, you know, we all want to move away from all of the COVID conversation, but I think that there's a little bit that happened at the beginning of all of this that did shift things for me. Um, I had just been at the agency as the executive director for just under two years and, I had come in as an outsider. I was the first one to come in as an outsider for a very long time. Um, I was my first time as an executive director as well. And so when the pandemic really started to look like it was coming, um, I kind of was seeking guidance from other leaders and from the state and you know of some of our funders. And we have all these ways in which we're... Um, regulated and reviewed and audited and made making, you know, there's so many restrictions on top of our agencies for good reason in a lot of ways, but sometimes it's, it's a barrier. And so I started seeking, um, advice and like, okay, this, it looks like something's going to happen. What are we going to do? How are we going to prepare? And I had talked to many people and I came back to my office one day and I think it was, the morning before U of M announced it was shutting down. And I came back in and I had this moment where I realized nobody was coming to save us. And it was my job to figure out what we were going to do because something was coming. And then U of M shut down and you could feel that announcement run through the agency. That was so big for something like that to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I um, spent, I don't think I slept for three days. 
I re I started looking at every possible scenario outcome. I was trying to balance how do we keep our staff safe and healthy? Plus we have people who live with us. They live in our shelter. They had to shelter at home. The kids had to go to school virtually in shelter. And so I met with a lot of our team and I said, you know, what authority do you need me to give you to be able to move forward quickly and make decisions quickly? So much in, you know, historic institutions, um, we vet everything and feasibility study and, Mm -hmm. you know, process everything. And this forced us to innovate overnight. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a really important lesson too. Mm -hmm. And so the side of all of this, while this is happening, I'm also a mom of four and my kids were um, seven, five, three, and one. And we had just moved out of our home into a three bedroom apartment so we could sell our home. Oh, And we thought that was fine because we went to the gym and we went to school and we went to work and we went to the playground and we went to the pool and we're not home that much. And we just needed to sell our home. And then like in a year or two, we would find our permanent home. So I also was acutely balancing all of the needs of the agencies, what parents in the agency were going through. Um, and also just the absolute chaos. I mean, at one point, I um, we had a very small kitchen. I had two kids homeschooling at the kitchen. I was on a meeting with my laptop in a kitchen cabinet so they could be underneath me, but I could still do my meeting. And in those moments, I think my husband and I felt like we this there this is the end of all of us. We're never going to get through this. And now when I look back, I laugh. I think, oh my gosh, it made all of us closer. It, I think it really helped my team at the agency start to look at me as one of them as opposed to the new leader, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it really helped us learn and innovate so many things. We look back and laugh on decisions that we made at the time, but we knew they were the best that we could. Um, we gave each other so much grace and it was also some of the best times we've had with our kids, even though it was absolutely crazy. And so I think that's one of our biggest kind of, we look back and we did it somehow. I love that. Yeah. I have been reflecting on Lori's comment about the connection between constraints and innovative solutions. You can try this too. Consider the next time you and your team are in problem solving mode, what viable solutions exist if you had no additional resources and you needed to start implementing today. Would you please describe the feeling when you knew that your impossible dream was becoming a reality? Oh, shock, awe, <laughs> butterflies in my stomach. Yeah. Um, I think for for me, you know, the, the big impossible right now with the shelter is I, I'm regularly going into the space and every time I walk through it, I see something new and new potential. And so um, it's it's kind of like falling in love, you know, it's kind of like those first initial butterflies and anxiety. Is it going to work out? Is this right. the right fit? Is it, you know, all yes. those questions. But yes. yeah, it's kind of like falling in love. It's amazing. What is one thing that you've learned going through this impossibility? Trust your team. It's okay to make mistakes. Admit the mistakes. Mm-hmm. The more it's okay f- and the more I model and demonstrate that it's okay to make a mistake. Right. We learn and we adjust. The more my team feels safe taking risks. 
And that's where so much of the brilliance is, is, is in them. Um, they are incredible. So definitely being okay, making mistakes, um, laughing at the mistakes when you can, learning from the mistakes when you can, and really making sure people feel safe and trusted. When people feel safe, they're willing to take risks, and those risks can be really innovative. I love that. Achieving your impossible is one thing, and there are very few fairy tale happy endings. We've reached milestones, keep going. Tell us about some of the challenges that you're facing. Funding, okay. capital. Yep. This mm-hmm. is a big lift. Um, the building that we are moving into needs renovations. Mm. It has nothing. We need washers, dryers, refrigerators, beds, TVs, you know, toys, like everything, everything. It has walls <laughs> and it has running water. The rest we need. And we're working on that. Um you know, making sure that we are preparing and getting ready to hire staff to open. Um, you know, staffing shortages are are very common right now. And so we're thinking ahead right now on preparing and training and having good staff because our staff is key to everything. They give their emotional labor. They are the hard work. They are the removal of barriers for survivors and they are the safe place. And so we can't just hire anybody and people need to be well-trained. Um, and then also the timeline it's it we're doing multiple things at the same time lease negotiations talking about reserva- renovations you know relooking at our floor plan it's so many things has have to happen at once but then there's also the chicken and the egg you know like we need this finalized to make this decision but we can't make this decision you know, and wait, we need to do it now. And so that riding the bike as we're building it is, is the challenge. It is the hard part. What's your advice for folks to face their fear of inaction and use that fire in their bellies to bring their impossible dreams to life? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, let go of perfection. Mm. Let go of perfection. Be okay that some things are going to go wrong. They are. You'll do everything you can to prevent it, but things are going to go wrong. And those are going to be the lessons and some of the best lessons that you'll ever have. Um, Trust your team and empower a team that feels safe because they will do their best work when they feel safe. Um, When they know that they're not going to lose their job or lose their safety or be, you know, treated poorly because they made a wrong move or a wrong decision or a bad recommendation. We all have those moments. Um, And trust the fact that people far less intelligent and talented than we or you um, have done big things. So why not you? And why not you and the people you're surrounded by? What's your next impossible, my friend? Well, um, after we get through the Detroit shelter opening, um, we are hoping to also look at ways to provide more economic resources and opportunities for survivors. And so one way we're hoping to do that is possibly through launching a resale shop. So that would be another impossible um, and a very different because it's very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit of a different pivot for agencies like ours. Fantastic. Well, the work you're doing is so amazing. And I'm so appreciative of getting to know you and understanding your impossible dreams. This concludes today's episode. For exclusive content, 
visit us at despiteimpossible.com and subscribe to this podcast.